This is Coffee at KYUK, conversation between friends and neighbors. Come in and have a cup. Joining us for coffee this morning are Emily Schwing and Rosh McChesney. They are here to talk about Emily's coverage of translation issues and FEMA's outreach to those impacted by Typhoon Murbach. Let's jump right in and just talk about a timeline here. Typhoon Murbach hits and you've spent some time reporting on the impacts of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you saw? Typhoon Murbach happened in the middle of September and a few days later I flew out to Chivac. Um, and that is where I saw a fleet of boats completely destroyed. Uh, there was some high water that did a lot of damage to subsistence resources other than fishing boats. So, you know, gas cans, fishing rods, nets, all of that was damaged. Also, that community was without power, like many of the communities that were impacted by Murbach. So a lot of people up and down Alaska's West Coast, their freezers thawed out. And so a lot of their food spoiled as well. A devastating loss. And at what point did FEMA realize that there would be a need for financial assistance to help people? I think that FEMA knew immediately, probably even before the storm hit. I have copies of emails from language translation service providers who were seeking Alaska native language speakers who could translate information on how people could apply for financial assistance following this storm. And a lot of those are dated September 15th and 16th, and that's right around the same time that the storm was hitting Alaska. When did you first learn that some of those documents that they've been looking to get translated had been translated incorrectly? About two weeks after the storm, someone from FEMA emailed me some documents that were, they they thought they were translated into Yuchtun or the central Yupik dialect and asked if I knew anybody at KYUK who could take a look and find out you know, if they were correct. Um, And then that is when we found out at KYUK that there was a problem with these documents that they had been translated incorrectly. Can you talk about sort of reporting that out? Like, what did it look like once you sort of pulling on threads to figure out what happened and how those sort of mistranslations happened. Yeah, someone referred to it uh, to me as a, as like the merry-go-round. Okay. <laughs> so I took the um, the translations to Julia Jimmy, who's our translator here at KYUK, and she said, this is not Yupik. And I was like, huh, I wonder what this is. So then I also um, sent these documents up to a Siberian Yupik speaker in Nome, I also sent it to someone I know that speaks a new back who is from Utkiagvik up north. Um, I passed it by two speakers on St. Lawrence Island where they also speak Siberian Yupik. I also sent these documents to someone in Chivak to find out if it was in Chupik. And I also sent it to a uh, Alaska native speaker in New Talk and then somebody else in Tuxik Bay. And everyone who I sent these documents to uh, said they didn't recognize it. From your reporting, there were two different sets of documents translated. Some of them were translated into Yuktun, and some of them were translated or supposed to be translated into Inupiaq. And what were those documents supposed to be? So all of this information was supposed to help people apply for financial assistance in the recovery period after Typhoon Murbach. So... It was not only information for individuals, but also people who might be applying for financial assistance through the Small Business Administration. 
So a lot of this is like very technical information on how the application process works. Okay. These weren't Google Translate errors, right? There were some really baffling translation decisions here. And one of them should have been caught immediately. The Inupiaq translations were written in the Inuktitut alphabet, which is actually a dialect from Canada. But the Yupik mistranslations are kind of a strange story. Can you sort of fill me in a little bit on what you found there? Yeah. So first, like just to touch on the Inupiaq translations, like it's visually obvious that this language is not Inupiaq because the Inuktitut alphabet that they use in northeastern Canada, um, the letters look entirely different. They're syllabic letters. They're not the 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 letters that they use in Inupiaq, which are, you know, Latin letters, some of which we also use in English. Um, as far as the Yupik translations, that's that's where things got really interesting. I talked to Gary Holton. He's a linguist, um, and he spent over two decades studying indigenous languages in Alaska at the University of Alaska Fairbanks Alaska Native Language Center. So he told me whoever created these translations lifted phrases directly from this really obscure compilation of language and folklore. It all comes from Far East Russia. The stories, the language, it was all collected by this woman, Ekaterina Rubtsova. She put it all together in a book that was published in the Soviet Union in the 1940s. Today, people like Gary Holton, linguists, refer to this book as the Rubtsova texts. Maybe imagine if someone took all of your folk tales and then interviewed your great-grandmother about um, her experiences growing up and had all of this information recorded and wrote it down and then scrambled it and stuck it in various different ways it would, and made kind of a collage out of it. It's, it. it's offensive. So in your reporting, you talked about how, you know, FEMA's contracted with this company called Accent on Languages from California, and they were willing to pay up to $27,800 for these translations, but they ultimately, you know, spent just a, less than $6,000. You found out that that company isn't just contracting with FEMA. It's it's like working with other parts of the government as well. Yeah. So since 2004, Accent on Languages has held contracts with a number of federal agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, and FEMA is housed under Homeland Security. Accent has also done work with the Indian Health Service, the Department of Justice, and their work totals about $1.6 million. But there are other translation service companies that the federal government uses, and some of them have done work in the tens of millions of dollars. You know, after your first story, Accent on Languages announced that they'd be repaying the money that they got from FEMA for this work, just over $3,400? Yeah, so a spokesperson from FEMA told me that this is the first time the agency has ever been, been refunded in this way. Um, and so there were a lot of questions about, like, the process of paying back a federal agency. Have you been able to talk to anyone at Accent on Languages about how this happened? I've actually requested interviews a number of times, and I couldn't get anyone on the phone, and they went back and forth. With me via email, I've sent lists of questions. Eventually, they just sent a, a lengthy statement in which they said they regretted any errors. CEO Caroline Lee wrote that her company, quote, entered into this task order with the commitment in the forefront to help the indigenous and native languages of Alaska, not only to just merely help these languages survive, but to help these languages and cultures thrive, unquote. Hmm. 
How did people respond to that statement? I ran this statement past Tara Sweeney. She's the former assistant secretary of Indian Affairs under the Trump administration. She's from Utqiagvik, and her great-grandfather created the Inupiaq alphabet. I have a hard time seeing alignment with their behavior and that statement, and I believe that Alaska Natives have the ability to perpetuate and preserve and promote our own cultures and languages. Tara Sweeney is really angry about this entire situation. It's hurtful and demoralizing on just a very deep level. There's a lot of historical trauma of being beaten in schools because they were speaking their indigenous language. And the gesture of creating a translated document and representing it as a factual translation and then finding out that that it's not is very disrespectful and really demonstrates that the federal government is not committed to reaching the indigenous populations that so need services. In conversations that you've had with FEMA higher-ups, does it come across like they understand what went wrong? I asked that because I was I was really struck by this line in one of your stories where you point out that after all of this, they put out the mistranslation, they send you this statement sort of apologizing for them, and in that statement, they misspelled both Yupik and Inupiaq. Yeah, so this is one of the parts of my reporting that's troubling. I've had a lot of conversations with people at FEMA, but a lot of them have been with people who live outside of the state of Alaska. And so I keep having these conversations where they say things to me like, we're going to have better contact with the tribal nation. And they often mention Indian country. And so it doesn't appear to me that they really have a good sense of how things work in Alaska And, you know, two-thirds of federally recognized tribes in the United States are based here in Alaska. The agency is taking steps. They do have a tribal affairs advocate. She's from the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. And specific to Alaska, they also have a tribal affairs liaison who is Alaska Native. So they are trying. And how did the agency sort of respond to your questions when you started asking them about these mistranslations and what had happened there? FEMA was really responsive. They didn't put the brakes on. They definitely were open to talking about what had happened here. And when I explained to an Alaska-based spokesman, Tom Kempton, what I had found, here's how he reacted. Uh, well, see, I'm, I guess I'm as guilty as anybody else in this whole, this whole thing because I'm the one that sends it all out. You know, I can't read it. I didn't realize how bad the uh, service was that we presently have. So uh, I will... Or I will push that right back immediately back on uh, leadership here and see what they can do. So FEMA has apologized, and they've also described how they went about finding a local translator here in Alaska to correct the situation. How many people got these mistranslations? And, you know, why translate FEMA documents into Yuktun and Inupiaq in the first place? So FEMA says they didn't send these out widely to the public. But we did get them here at KYUK, and we also know that the agency was handing at least a glossy brochure with the Inuktitut alphabet that was supposed to be the Inupiaq translation. 
They were passing that out at the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention in October in Anchorage. But to your question about why the agency would try to translate these documents in the first place, there are something like 10,000 Yuchtun speakers on the YK Delta. And the Alaska Native Language Center says children still grow up speaking Central Yupik as their first language in at least 17 villages along the lower Kuskokwim River and on Nelson Island. Right. And, you know, so we don't necessarily know the number of people who got those mistranslated documents, but you do have some idea of how many villages have been impacted by Burbach because you've got some data about who's applied for aid so far. The State Department of Homeland Security and Emergency Management um, tells me that they have received financial assistance applications from people in 55 villages. 32 of those communities are on the YK Delta And just before Christmas, state data shows that over 1,050 people had applied for assistance. And then on the FEMA side of things at the federal level, the agency says so far 855 applications have been approved for individuals and households that are asking for funds to help recover from Murbach. As of February 3rd, more than $6.5 million had been paid out. So FEMA just reopened another application period for aid for a few days. It was supposed to close on Monday. And you wrote about some of the confusion around that. And specifically, I want to talk about how language translations and sort of fallout from that may have played a role in the agency delaying when it announced that it was taking those late applications for aid. Can you sort of tell me about that story? What we know is that FEMA has been aware of the late application period since at least January 27th. They didn't announce it until late in the day on February 1st. Originally, they were going to have it close on February 4th. So it was only going to allow late applicants three days' time to get their applications in. And the application process is different. You have to register by phone and also write a letter explaining why you didn't apply for assistance earlier. Um, So it's a totally different process, and there's not an online option as far as I can tell. They did decide to extend that period until end of day on Monday after KYUK made a stink that there was only going to be three days for people on the YK Delta to apply. So they extended it to Monday. I have no information on whether or not they might open another one or offer another extension currently. And you have some evidence that maybe language translation is part of the reason they delayed announcing it. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? From an email chain that I received that included information from FEMA's Alaska Native Tribal Liaison, Stacey Gunderson, that they were waiting for the late application period information to be translated into Yuchtun. And then that was taking a lot of time. And so it was slowing down the announcement process. So that's why it appears that FEMA only announced this on February 1st, even though they had known about it for almost a week prior. Emily, where does this reporting go from here? I'm really interested in this whole application process how applications get approved, who's applying. So I would love to hear from KYUK listeners about their experiences, whether good or bad. This is a public process, and it's really important for us as a newsroom to hold a federal agency accountable. 
but also to understand how people are faring after Typhoon Murbach. This is one of the largest and most dramatic storms that this state has seen in 50 years. Okay, yeah. And so anybody who wants to tell us, you know, how their experience has been, especially people who've applied um, for assistance through the state or through FEMA, um, you can reach out to us. There's a form in all of the stories about mistranslations. You can also email us at news at kyuk.org. You can call us at 907-543-3131. Again, that phone number is 907-543-3131. I would absolutely love to hear from people about their assistance applications and and what they're experiencing. Emily, thank you so much for your time in this reporting. Of course. Thanks for having me. Happy to do it. That was Emily Schwing speaking with Rosh McChesney. Joining us for Coffee Tomorrow is Michelle Spark, who is heading up an initiative to get out the Native vote here in Alaska. This is Coffee at KYUK.